0: Every Lady Needs a Hobby. A Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie Clark. I'm Jennifer Andress. This week we are reviewing Season 1, Episode 5. Raisins and Almonds.
1: Sounds like the basis for a trail mix.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was thinking more like something that you would like chop up and stuff into an apple and then bake in the oven.
1: Ooh, that sounds even better than trail mix, but...
0: Right? I recently brought trail mix that was 50% raisins, and it was not.
1: It was very disappointing.
0: I recently made trail mix and I I just put 50% chocolate chips into it. So that was I liked that cuz I controlled the ratio of chocolate, which is See, that that's matters. a better ratio.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, unlike the trail mix I had those 50% raisins. This episode of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries I actually quite enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I've always liked this one. Um, and I actually remember like listening to the song on Spotify Raisins and Almonds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah. I think it's it's a good it's a good episode for romance. So It is. Yes, the love interest is objectively attractive seems like a nice guy isn't weird and miss fisher actually seems a little bit interested in him instead of just playing him for her investigation which she does sometimes not blaming her for it she just it's
0: true she does it well i actually meant for like our two favorite characters that oh yes well it's, it's like a spark
1: there is a spark yeah
0: yeah but also i think that the Uh, the actual murder in this case doesn't make a lot of sense, but we can talk more about that later.
1: I know. Well, yeah, I struggled with that, too. I was like, oh, I really like this episode, and I was, like, really enjoying it. I did a bunch of research, and then when I got to the part where I was like, all right, here's where the murder, like, why the murder happened and how. I was like, the first murder, maybe. The second murder makes no sense. Like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't understand why he had to die. Yeah, it's like, this is,
0: I feel like this is an episode where It's just a classic, like, the bodies are piling up, Miss Fisher episode, where you're like, did you have to kill that person? Mm -hmm. Did you just, like, injured them, knocked them out? Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, the second murder was just totally extraneous. I I didn't,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then I also just thought, like, the whole setup and the murder method did not make sense, but we can get into that when we talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the cold open of this episode is a woman in a bookshop. And then we hear what sounds like maybe some China falling and breaking on the floor. And then we see a man having maybe a seizure or in old timey speak, fitting, he's fitting. Um, and she puts a ruler in his mouth and tells him to try to not to
1: resist the fit. What does that, what does that mean? How, I, I, don't know. I don't understand.
0: Also, I'm pretty sure that, like, the putting something in a person who's having a seizure's mouth is, has been totally debunked.
1: Like, you're not supposed to do that. Really? Yeah. I thought it was to keep them from biting their tongue.
0: Yeah, but apparently, like, it doesn't, like, they're probably not going to bite their tongue, and huh. they might just, I don't know, they could, like, swallow the thing you put in their mouth. I, I'm not a doctor. I remember in first aid class being told, don't do that.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't know, yeah. but... If Dr. Mack had been there, she would have known. Yeah,
0: she would have been like, that's not the seizure.
1: <laughs> so then, that's that. Oh, also we learned in this scene that the man who is fitting, his name is Saul. Yeah, and I wonder if he's going to die. I think he is. Yeah. Seems probable, seeing as this is a murder show. <laughs> uh, he, may, he may be um, fated to die not of natural causes. <laughs> Wait, you don't think he has epilepsy? This is just, uh, it's like a medical scene. Anyway. <laughs> it, this, this is when it becomes just a medical drama. Yeah. Waiting be, for the spinoff with Dr. Mack. Yeah, we are still drama.
0: waiting. Yes. I'll start the GoFundMe for that one.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So then in the next scene, Miss Fisher is at an auction and she swoops in and outbids everyone for a painting. But then uh, a man shows up and yells at everyone at the auction for holding it at the Kadima. Shame! Shame! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Bit of a showboater, it seems like to me. But <laughs> And then that man walks out with uh, presumably his son, Simon, who, whose painting it was. And he did not ask
1: permission to sell the painting. Right. Also, before they walk out, so the, the young man conducting the auction, whose name is Yassi, mm-hmm. um, says he's raising money because their people are being persecuted. And then the older man who walked in yelling shame says he doesn't know anything about persecution because he was born in Carlton. Right. I thought it was a pretty pretty zinger. It, it was a zinger. It, was it, was a zinger.
0: Zinger. it definitely hit home. <laughs> so then Miss Fisher follows them down the street because she like really wants that painting and she you know, she won the bidding. And she whips out her business card again.
1: <laughs> I, was like, I, know. <laughs> I know, I love that.
0: <laughs> and then the lady from the
1: bookshop comes out and yells for help with Saul. So before we go into the next scene, I did look up the, the artist of the painting because Miss Fisher says um, it's... A Margaret Preston, who is a real talent to watch. Mm. So I looked up Margaret Preston. She's a was a prominent Australian artist at the time. She's a painter and printmaker who is one of Australia's leading modernists. Um, and she was one of the first non-Aboriginal painters to use Aboriginal motifs in her work. And one of the descriptions I found of her described her as a redheaded little firebrand of a woman. Well, that sounds um, so like someone Miss Fisher would like. Exactly. <laughs> So she was was very famous. She studied in Paris. Um, She wanted her work to be decoration without ornamentation, and she studied in Paris, Great Britain, and then also, this is just a weird fact I found about her, she wrote the wrong birthday on her marriage certificate so that she appeared to be eight years younger than her husband, and I don't know why you would do that, but like... (laughs)
0: she did just trying to seem younger
1: <laughs> yeah she just like wanted to see me younger like i think she might have been actually older than him but she like made it so that she looked younger than him um but at this time she was the most prominent female artist in australia wow
0: well i looked up the price that miss fisher bid for the painting and it was 150 pounds which in today's pounds would be uh, 11,900, or approximately eight thousand eight hundred dollars so that's a lot of money okay
1: yeah Ms. Fisher really wanted that painting.
0: She did. Also, it's crazy that, like, 150 pounds was $8,000. You know, like... That's, you don't be walking around with too much cash.
1: Some inflation right there. Yeah. I also thought that it was a very bold mood that Simon, the son of Mr. Abrams, Abrams, Abrahams, Mr. Abrams. Abrams. No, it's Abrams. Abrams, Abrams. Um, So Simon, the son of Mr. Abrams, just took this painting by like, who was a really famous artist at the time and just took it without asking his dad. I'm like, come on, dude. I know you want to raise money. For your people and that's admirable. But like, why did you think that would be okay? Yeah,
0: well he does say you never liked the painting anyway, and it sounds like the dad didn't really know what it was. So But yeah, I would never do that
1: <laughs> to my parents. Yeah, well, it's pretty fucking rude. <laughs> and like auctioning it off. Um also so we get from this dynamic that the dad, Mr. Abrams, does not think that Simon, his son, should be associating with who who is Conducting the auction, so there's a little a little tension there.
0: Yes. So then they go into the bookshop, and Miss Fisher basically declares the dude is dead, which no surprise to us, the Watchers.
1: <laughs> also, I just found it funny. She just like follows them in, like she—it's none of her business, right? Like it's clearly like her. She has given him her card, and like at that point, someone calls their attention away. She could go home, but no, she follows them in, like immediately goes over to the body and declares it dead because that's human. Yeah, this is,
0: that's literally the opposite reaction that I would have. Like, I once saw someone, I think, have a seizure on the street, and I called an ambulance, and then as soon as the ambulance arrived, I was like, peace, I'm out of here. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> I don't want to know what happens next. <laughs> yeah, like, she didn't even know that someone was, well, oh, I guess, um, the book shop owner does say something no she just says it's saul she doesn't even say like he's having a seizure so miss fisher was just like oh something interesting not like oh there's an emergency it's her
0: spidey sense so then oh also in this scene we see some histrionics from a man in in an apron and they maybe they seem a little Mm -hmm. disingenuous
1: (laughs) yeah definitely a little suspicious and then the
0: miss fisher tells him to call the police Specifically to call Jack. Uh
1: Aww. <laughs> Aww.
0: Which is cute that she specifies him because he's about to give her a real hard time. But maybe she knows that he'll give her a hard time and let her stay. Whereas probably everyone mm-hmm. else would be like, get the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah, I do feel like this is the episode where their working relationship really takes off. And they are both clearly, you know, acknowledging each other's work and appreciating each other's work and becoming a team. Like, it's beautiful to people. Be
0: I agree. And this actually is the first of two times where Miss Fisher instructs people to call specifically jack mm-hmm. in this episode yep. okay so then uh when jack arrives he observes that it's always complicated with miss fisher i mean like, obviously <laughs> I know, I get ready for three seasons of it buddy <laughs> <laughs> um
1: he's, he's like do you have an interest in this case and she's like i briefly owned that painting, <laughs> and, it, like, the painting and he's like it's always complicated you know <laughs> so good
0: miss <laughs> uh, Fisher. St- Finds a shard of teacup under Saul's body.
1: Of course, she conveniently finds a clue. Of course, there's always a clue.
0: Um, And she steals that and then follows the trail of clues. She sees a broken (laughs) cup in the trash. She she checks the cupboard to see if the teacup, the teapot is still warm. And who knew it was going to be in that cupboard the first one she checked?
1: Well, you know, she just is really good at investigating. (laughs) (laughs) And finding clues. Yes. Um, we also learned that the deceased was not epileptic.
0: No. So. so so weird that the bookshop owner thought that he was having a seizure.
1: I thought that was pretty strange. She acted like in the first scene, it seems like, oh, this is something that happens often. And she's like helping him in a way that she has helped him before. But no, it turns out he just, he wasn't epileptic. He just seemed like he was having a fit. So. Yeah.
0: She had a pretty calm reaction to what was like, a, what I presumably would think was a really out of character thing to happen for this guy, but... Anyway, yes. uh, uh, anyway, so we also find out that the victim is Saul Michaels, who is the apprentice cobbler to the man with the leather apron. To Hiam Hiam, Yes, and we so we find out that the cobbler is the brother of the dad whose painting was taken, um, who I, from here on out, I'm just going to refer to as Daddy Abrams.
1: Yeah. Is it Abrams or Abrahams? Pretty sure it's Abrams. A- Okay. Yeah. Well, it's confusing because his first name is also Saul. His, uh, his first name is also Saul? Yeah. So it's, I found that a little confusing. And stay tuned later for me finding a flaw in the show. There was a mistake in this episode that I was very pleased with myself for discovering.
0: Oh, I can't wait to find out what that is. Don't tell me yes. yet. Well, save the surprise. I'm going to just make sure. I'm not going it's... to. I'm going to wait until we get to that. Great. Point. I'm just making sure that it's Abrams um, because I'm, I'm sounding very sure but i want to just check imdb real quick
1: i wrote abrahams in all of my notes it but
0: says abrahams but they just kept saying abrams
1: well abrahams abrams abrahams
0: it, maybe that's the australian pronunciation is like abrahams i
1: don't know we also learn that hyam is the owner of the building the shop so he's the landlord to miss lee the bookshop shopkeeper
0: not Hiam, his brother because Hiam is oh. the cobbler so daddy abrahams or abrams <laughs> so then in this scene we also get some more of jack trying to shoo miss fisher's miss fisher away but then she reveals that she's discovered this trail of broken china and is convinced that the man was poisoned
1: (laughs) she says it in dramatic whisper too she's like it was poisoned and then she (laughs) back and then jack says i'm not sure it'd suit me yeah um it is a great hat but i think it probably looks better on Miss fisher than jack yeah
0: oh it's the red velvet it's my favorite
1: Although I was looking at it and the little like design on the side looks like Pac-Man eating each other. Oh, I didn't and so notice then, that. Once I thought that, the rest of the episode when she wears that hat, it just looks like a Pac-Man eating the like uh, <laughs> other Pac-Man.
0: <laughs> well, you find something new on every rewatch, don't you? <laughs> well, also in this scene, the owner of the bookshop, Miss Lee, seems very calm and also definitely is lying, you can just tell. So Jack brings her in for questioning.
1: Also, <laughs> Jack is trying to shoo Miss Fisher away, and Franny asks if she can help. And then Jack tells her no, because if you call the fire brigade, you don't get to stick around to put out the fire. And then Hugh, like, cracks up, and Jack gives him a great look. That's like, buddy, I'm trying to get rid of Miss Fisher.
0: I mean, it's an excellent point, for sure. Can't argue with that. (laughs) So then back at the station, Jack is interviewing these two brothers, Saul and Chaim, but uh, I'm just gonna call them daddy abrams and cobbler abrams from now on okay
1: i also like how jack lets friday listen into the interviews like he definitely knows that she's doing it
0: yeah definitely he does so in this interview we find out that the victim saul was a zionist and daddy abrams is pretty suspicious of all this which we already knew and Mm -hmm. the cobbler abrams wants the body back as soon as possible for religious purposes.
1: Hmm. Seems very eager on this point. Suspiciously yeah. eager, I might say.
0: Though I do think that's a real thing. So the first time I watched it, that did not raise any suspicions with me.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, and
0: then, back at Shea Fisher, we are seeing, for the first time in several episodes, Alice from... Who knew
1: she still around?
0: Yeah. Cess's sweetheart from the season premiere, our abortion victim. I mean, not that... The a, a victim of a bad abortion. <laughs>
1: Alice is doing much better than the last time that we saw her and seems to be in a much better place.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the last time we saw her, she had just gotten like a deadly abortion to get rid of Mm -hmm. the illegitimate child of like her rapist employer.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think um her being with Sass and they seem very happy and they're getting married and you no, know, I'm I'm happy for Alice and I might change my best week at the end because I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that she's doing so well in this scene because it's the last time we will ever <laughs> see her. Which is weird. With no acknowledgement whatsoever. We no. never get an update. This is it.
1: Especially since this becomes like a whole subplot in this episode. And it's yeah. just never Referred to again in
0: the show. Yeah. So Alice is there with Sess to tell Dot and Bert that they're getting married, but they can't do it yet because they have no place to live, which is the root of this episode's Sess and Bert conflict.
1: But we also find out that her uncle has offered them a ten acre allotment. Yes. Um, and then Bert just looks cranky as
0: yeah, it's all it's, it's men not talking to each other about their feelings thing just really blossoms into quite a conflict in this episode because Bert gets the idea that Sess is dying to ditch the cabby business and become a farmer so that he can get married um, and just basically tells Sess that he can sell his share in the cab and storms off.
1: He also says, well, after he says, Seth has always wanted to be a farmer. And he's like, well, he don't don't know about the land. Is it worth knowing? And it's like so sarcastic. I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. And Alice, she doesn't
0: get a whiff of this. She's like, oh, great. That's fantastic. And Dot is like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I have in my notes, why don't these two just freaking talk to each other?
1: Like, they spend all day together, right? Like, they work together. Yeah. And, like, I think they live together. They're buddies. They, like, hang out in the same places. Like, this is, like, when you and I work together, as if we just, like, weren't talking about what was going on in our lives. Which and every, we
0: were, in fact, doing just so much.
1: <laughs> Constantly. While we were at work, while we weren't at work. You know. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Then, uh, so Bert stalks off angrily. And the shot of him walking away <laughs> from the house with his trench coat flapping... <laughs> is just, like, me every Monday. Like, that's my mood. (laughs) It's a great shot.
1: It really is. (laughs) And then he runs into Simon, who is looking for Miss Fisher, and Bert gives some sarcastic remark about how the filthy rich house in the corner...
0: (laughs) Yeah, Simon, a.k.a. Baby Abrams, has shown up (laughs) with his father uh, to hire Miss Fisher to prove that Miss Lee, the bookshop owner, is innocent. Because she's a good tenant, and he just wants to give back to the community which seems pretty flimsy to me to be honest but it never comes to anything so that's
1: do you think maybe I don't know maybe Simon knew what was going on but can't say what was going on because of his dad I mean I don't think he knew who
0: really killed him but no I don't know but
1: maybe he knew that Miss Lee and Saul Michaels were having a thing and he doesn't want her to take the fall for it because he knows I don't,
0: I don't know. He seems to not know later on. He's, like, totally clueless about it.
1: But maybe he is just like, you know, this is a bad press for the Jewish community in Melbourne, and he wants to, like, get to the bottom of it instead of just having any sorted business. Even though it gets far more sorted than if Miss Lee had just taken the
0: fall. Yeah, that could be. You're right. It's worse for him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Miss Fisher agrees to take on the case in exchange for the Margaret Preston painting that she had earlier tried to buy.
1: He says you won't like my rates.
0: <laughs> so then back at the station, some very anti-Semitic drawings have been found in Miss Lee's bookshop and there's rat poison in the cupboard. Could it be a red herring? Hmm. hmm. So Jack thinks that she killed him because he was a radical Zionist and she must be anti-Semitic because of these caricatures that he found in the shop. <laughs>
1: I also love Friday's coat in this scene. The, like, purple, deep purple velvet with the fur collar is excellent. Like, I just want a coat like that. I know I would look crazy wearing it, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'd look crazy wearing
0: 90% of the things that she wears, but they're all great, mostly.
1: Not all of them, but most of them.
0: Yeah, right. so Miss Fisher is does not believe that this neat and tidy explanation is, is could be
1: true. Well, and so Jack also says, and this is something I did not notice until this watch through, but... They're talking about, like, who was in the shop that day. And he says, apart from the landlord. And see, this is why I think Hyam is the landlord. Because he's referring to Hyam when he says, apart from the landlord.
0: But then, you know, in the scene where Simon and his father hire Miss Fisher, they refer to her as their tenant. So maybe it's just considered, like, a family ownership.
1: Oh, yeah. Anyways, well, apart from the landlord, there's only an old soldier who... A Boer War re- veteran who was looking for someplace. Hmm. And we also learned that Yossi Stein arrived with Saul but did not go. Asleep.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Many suspects.
1: I also remembered the murderer during this portion at 10 minutes and 11 seconds. 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. I can't
0: remember. I'm not sure I ever figured it out <laughs> on the second rewatch. <laughs> so then, Miss Fisher, of course, doesn't believe Jack's theory, so she goes to talk to Miss Lee. And Miss Lee claims that she kept these anti Semitic drawings in her shop because she believes in freedom of speech. And I thought, that's not how freedom of speech really works. (laughs) You can believe that someone has the right to say something, but if you disagree with it, that doesn't mean you have to sell it in your shop, because that does kind of imply that you're supporting it. So I'm not really sure what kind of a statement the show is trying to make here, but I don't like it.
1: Yeah I mean I guess if we hadn't seen the drawings it was just like on principle like because that's obviously we have learned in this episode that like not all Jews were on board with the Zionist movement right so you could see like as a bookshop owner you wouldn't want to just like have Zionist literature you'd want to have both sides like but then we saw the drawing so that's not just like not that's not just like Jewish literature that is outside of the Zionist movement that's like actively bad so i don't, I, I don't
0: yeah know. and i mean i think it's just maybe an example of the writers trying to create this like false motive mm-hmm. that yeah. if you examine it closely doesn't hold up very well because i don't think just free speech as her excuse for having those in the shop holds up to any like real scrutiny
1: no we also learned though that saul was returning the british Hansard to the shelf when he collapsed and then friday also asked her about the rat poison and she says, "I used it to poison rats."
0: Yes, and then in this scene, she finally gets a little emotional. Up until this point, she's been totally like mm-hmm. non non emotive on the whole thing. Even though a man died in her shop, but she finally looks like she's about to tear up a little bit when Miss Fisher <laughs> accuses her of not caring.
1: So lots of clues, no clarity.
0: So then, Miss Fisher's got to no know about this Hansard, and she goes back and breaks into the bookshop and. I would like to note that when she's wearing her black beret, as she is in the scene, you know that there's going to be some action.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is the nighttime antics beret. And it's also just like, I wrote down, she's breaking into the bookshop because of course she is. Like, of course she just like goes and breaks into the bookshop in the middle. (laughs) Could she have gone back during the day when it was perhaps open and looked at this book? sure does she choose to do that well
0: if she'd waited until the next day she would have missed out as we find out in this scene because somebody else breaks into the bookshop to get that
1: book well so this is the part of the episode where i found the mistake oh a mistake a mistake so she breaks into the bookshop and she looks in the lending library because miss lee told her that saul was returning the hansard british hansard volume 40 and so she pulls out the card and it says and Vol- Hansard volume 40 has been checked out three times. But on the card, it says by Saul Abrahams. It does not say by Saul Michaels. And this is where the two Sauls, they're just mixed up like it's wrong in the show. Cause then I noticed it on the watch through and I was like, oh, maybe I'm forgetting something about this episode and it was really Saul Abrahams was like caught up in this, but he's not, he's not in on it at all. And so they just wrote the wrong name on the card for the scene.
0: That is shocking. I know. How could they do this? <laughs>
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs> you should make a note on the IMDb page. I yeah, wonder if anyone I mean, has noted it on the IMDb page. Let's look. Um, it appears... Oh, yep. Somebody has listed the same goof as you. L- the list. The card uh, lists the name is Saul Abrahams. This combination is wrong. Saul's last name is Michael's. Abrahams is the last name of three other characters unrelated to Saul. So, yep. there's two other goofs regarding well, the ancient Hebrew that we later find out about.
1: I did not see those obvious, for obvious reasons being that I do not know ancient Hebrew.
0: <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> so anyway, somebody else breaks into the shop and grabs that Hansard. And Miss Fisher tries to get it from him, but, you know, we just can't get a good look at his face. And then he knocks over a bookshelf on her. She drops her gun and a chase ensues. Onto the roof. This, and is, this
1: is what the beret was, was portending the whole time. Oh, for sure. And, you know, if you're
0: putting on your action beret, why not just put on a pair of flats? All I'm saying, just, <laughs> are heels the best choice for... Going out on a slanted roof to chase an
1: armed man? No. Take him off. Yeah, you could argue that she didn't, um, she didn't know that it was going to be a chase scene on a roof. But, like, this is not the first time that this has happened. When she has the beret on, she could have worn
0: flats. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't always know where I'm going to go for lunch when I go to work in the morning. But I still don't put on heels. I pack a pair of flats, you know? It's just... You got to be prepared for what might happen. And and pretty much anything that might happen, I can't do in heels. So...
1: Yeah, unless it's just just walking, short distances.
0: Very short distances, like Mm -hmm. from my desk to the the water fountain and back.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, Miss Fisher is just one of a kind.
0: One of a kind. So anyway, he out on the roof. He takes a shot at her and misses. She throws her knife and hits him in the shoulder. He drops the book, but jumps to the next roof and Miss Fisher ludicrously climbs down the side of the building. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, and she managed to grab the book and her knife.
1: From in front of a like moving vehicle. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so then back at the house, Dot thinks that Miss Fisher's taking too many risks and she's right. And Miss Fisher can't find anything interesting in this book, the Hansard.
1: And then Dot has done some great sleuthing and looked into Boer War veterans, which, like, I'm shocked at the amount of information that the government just gave her over the phone about Boer Boer War veterans. But she has identified the man who came to the bookshop the day that Saul Michaels died, and his name is Archie. And he frequents bars.
0: Seems way too easy, but whatever. And of course, tracking this guy down is going to be a job for Bert and Sess, our favorite feuding chauffeurs.
1: Which you know, I can see where Miss Fisher would not send Dot on this assignment. So, although yeah, it would be sense. great if she did,
0: and I almost would have preferred it if she had, because I I love that Bert and Sess are getting some of their own plot, but I hate it also because I think it's poorly <laughs> executed in this episode. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a little unnecessary, but...
0: Yeah, well, I just don't think it's well done. Like, in the next scene, Dot tries to, like, conciliate by getting them to do this job together, and I just... it just doesn't seem... Mm-hmm. The, the dialogue is bad, it doesn't seem realistic to me. But, anyway.
1: Oh, well. <laughs> then Mr. Butler comes in and tells Brynie that Mr. Abrahams is downstairs, and she says, the young attractive
0: one. It is! It's baby Abrams! And he <laughs> brought some flowers!
1: Aww,
0: what a guy. Yeah, I love Miss Fisher the cradle robber because this guy is clearly like 20 and she's definitely like 40. I love it. (laughs) Get it, Miss Fisher. Also, I love that Mr. Butler has the vase ready and waiting.
1: Well, and he knows the specific vase that she wants.
0: I'm wondering if he also has her diaphragm out of the drawer ready and waiting. He thinks of everything, you know?
1: He does think of everything. All right, back to Miss Fisher Cradle Robber with Young Attractive Climate.
0: Yeah, and he thinks that her daring late night break in is pretty hot for sure. Um, and you I'll know, s- there's no
1: way to get the men like daring midnight break ins. No. That, you know, knife <laughs> fights on roofs. That's usually what works for me. Anyway. He's
0: like, but tell me, Mark, were you wearing high heels at the time? <laughs> <laughs> no actually he says that he thinks the val- there might be valuables hidden in the spine of the book
1: which I looked into this book so the Hansard is transcripts of parli- parliamentary debates which sounds incredibly
0: boring oh a little light reading yeah. <laughs> well so it turns I mean that sounds like a great place to hide something you know like one of those books that you carve the center out of and then you like hide your mm-hmm. weed in it that's what yeah, I would do like,
1: no one's gonna read it ever. except
0: for Saul Michaels three times Um, But no, actually, hidden indeed in the spine of the book is a folded up bit of the Kabbalah with some Hebrew characters written on it.
1: And I did look up what the Kabbalah is. It's the ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible. I
0: think Madonna is pretty into the Kabbalah, isn't she? Really? Yeah. She changed her name to Esther. This is like, this happened like 15 years ago. So maybe this was like before you had TV.
1: It was definitely before I had TV, yeah. Correct Correct assessment. This is in the blank spot of my pop culture knowledge.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, so before Madonna, it turns out that um, Saul Michaels was in the Kabbalah, <laughs> And baby Abrams is also a Zionist, as it turns out. And they all meet in the bookshop, which Miss Lee is hiding because Daddy Abrams would evict her, uh, which explains some of her, like, deceitfulness.
1: Yes. Still doesn't explain the anti-Semitic drawings, but...
0: Those are really never explained. <laughs> no.
1: Never hear anything about those. Again. Nope.
0: So then, Baby Abrams takes Miss Fisher to like some kind of a Jewish hangout. Doesn't seem to be a bar. I'm not sure what it is. Um, but there's oh, it's
1: the it's the Kadima. Which so this oh, okay, cool. It's a it's Hebrew for onward is what the word means. Uh, but it's a Jewish student association and a Zionist organization founded in Vienna. So oh, okay. They they refer to the the Kadima and it's sort of like their organization that is working for Zionism. Okay. Um, also, Yasi calls uh Freinia Shiksha, which is a gentile girl or woman yeah i looked that up you didn't know I that know. already did you yeah why
0: um well you know the first time i ever heard that word was definitely because uh what's the name of ozzy osborne's daughter you definitely don't know anyway she wore a t-shirt that said Shiksha on it in like the early 2000s and i had to google what it meant this is also <laughs> probably before you had TV. Yep, um,
1: in my pop culture blank spot, yeah.
0: Well the Osborne's had a reality TV show.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. But that was a, that's about all I knew about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's really okay, yeah, I did not know what that meant. But now, yeah. now we both know.
0: So. Now you know. So also we find out in this scene that Saul loved the song Raisins and Almonds, which is being played in the Kadima by a violinist when they walk in. And then also Yossi tries to get the little bit of paper, the bit of the Kabbalah from Miss Fisher, but she's like not having it. She's like, oh, I can translate that myself. Thank you very much. Because she is suspicious of this guy.
1: Oh, very, very. He's also very rude to her. He like doesn't shake her hand.
0: Well, yeah. And he like speaks a foreign language in front of her, which is rude Mm -hmm. and calls her a shiksa. I mean, it's Miss Fisher. So she probably speaks Yiddish. And she's like, I know what you're saying about me. (laughs) (laughs) But he's kind of hot. I like that pretty, Yeah, I think he's kind of cute, like in a weird way. We can edit yeah, this out. Yeah, he's kind
1: of annoying though. Like he's always sneering about everything. Yeah. I don't know. To me, Simon is obviously the attractive. Man. Oh
0: yeah, Simon is a good-looking dude. So then, Baby Abrams takes her to Saul's room above the cobbler shop, uh, where she checks out like his mad scientist setup. It looks like a weird chemistry set. And cobbler Abrams is also there and he continues to just sort of seem creepy in a low key way. And he tells he's
1: like, Oh, I don't know anything about science. Yeah. And well of course which
0: of course is a sob story about how he never got to go to school.
1: His parents only could invest in one child. Uh. But it's like he's obviously a very successful cobbler. Like I don't know like his brother doesn't know how to make
0: shoes. Yeah, and he makes the best shoes in Melbourne. Well anyway, they find the book that the page was torn from. And also, they find a piece of Miss Lee's brooch under Saul's bed. Scandalous!
1: Miss Fisher has found another clue! (laughs) A (laughs) clue! It's a clue! The clues are
0: everywhere. If you try (laughs) to find clues in my apartment, you'd be like, A long-haired cat lives here and just gets all over the place on every (laughs) surface. There's hair everywhere.
1: That's what you would find. Oh, man. Well, obviously, Miss Fisher finds it, immediately recognizes that it matches Miss Lee's, you know, jewelry. So yeah, good for Miss Fisher. She's good at her job. I'm not going to take that away from her. It's just there's a lot of clues sitting out there in the open. Right out in the
0: open. (laughs) So then Miss Fisher takes this little bit of brooch straight to the police station where she confronts Miss Lee with it, who basically breaks down immediately and admits that she was, in fact, having an affair with Saul. And nobody knew they were keeping a secret because gossip,
1: but yes,
0: he could quote poetry, he read literature, blah, blah, blah. How romantic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then she says that she tidied the china to hide their friendship. She didn't want people to know they were having tea together. Well,
0: everyone knows that if you make tea for a customer, you're definitely doing it with them. So that was
1: probably the yeah, right call. Yeah, And I think that's how you get pregnant.
0: It is. Yeah. I mean, did, no. you, know, did you know that? No, I didn't.
1: I wasn't. I didn't know how we're babies. Oh, but now okay. I know that it's having tea <laughs> in a bookshop.
0: Well, now our listeners know as well. So please treat this knowledge with extreme caution, listeners. Oh. <laughs> we also find out that Saul is married. So it was a little scandalous. And yeah, his wife is back in Poland. Sin. And they'll someday be reunited in the Holy Land.
1: That's definitely a sin. For both sure. In, you know, the Kabbalah, Christianity, just it's not okay. But Saul and Miss Lee were doing it. And then we also learned that Saul thought that he had found a way to be rich enough to leave Australia and create a Jewish homeland.
0: But he did not tell Miss Lee what this method was, because they have a real, true relationship of love, but not trust. Um,
1: Although she was definitely, like, in his apartment, obviously, so she knew about the science experience. You don't think he was telling her what that was? Yeah, well... Once
0: again, I think that this whole part just doesn't make any sense, but we can talk more about that when all is revealed. So then right. Miss Fisher goes to the police station where Jack is not pleased about the break and enter, but he does not mind the evidence. Wink. Oh, man. But I have in my notes that if he thinks her antics are as sexy as baby Abrams obviously did, then he is hiding it very well. So, unclear. Yeah,
1: he, um... It's funny because Friday is telling Jack about what happened. And then she said, I did the only thing I could think of. And Jack says, call for help. And she says, no, I stabbed him in the shoulder.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's not what I would have thought of, but I would have cowered under
1: a table or something. But then Jack isn't that upset because he proceeds to just tell her about the autopsy and he did not have to do this. So again, I think this episode is a great start to their, or a great continuation of their working relationship. Oh, yeah. So,
0: I mean, they do a little evidence bartering in this scene because she tells Mm -hmm. him or he tells her, you know, the poison was not ingested and there were smudge marks on his hands. And she's like, well, I have this little page from the Kabbalah with some Hebrew writing on it. Mm -hmm. And Jack immediately recognizes that this page appears to be related to turning lead into gold using his science brain. He sees that. He's so clever. Yeah. And then this is a critical scene, I think. Miss Fisher reveals that Saul and Miss Lee were having an affair Jack is shocked by the affair. Their faces are two inches apart again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and she, he says, They're, he's married. And she says, it happens.
1: And then Jack just, like, changes the subject back to the case. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, the scene is so good. But
0: I think, looking back on the first time I watched this series, this was the first time I thought, oh, like, these two are, there's, some, there's something here. They're going to hook up. And I think I texted you about it um, <laughs> at this point. I was like, what's, what's happening? How long is this going to take? And you were like, forever.
1: <laughs> I was like, don't hold your breath.
0: <laughs> and I did. I held my breath for three seasons. Um, <laughs> and I set a world record for that. <laughs> oh, man. So then I think we're back at Miss Fisher's house and baby Abrams has come back and he wants to fess up that he's also a zionist and um she he knows that his dad can translate the hebrew but he doesn't want to be the one to ask he wants miss fisher to ask because mm-hmm. he's afraid of the you know wrath of daddy
1: and then friday just very coyly invites him to dinner to present her evidence
0: oh. <laughs> Um, and then she also asks Dot to work with Mac to find this poison.
1: Yay, poison Dr. Mac. That, that killed someone, presumably through a paper cut on his index finger. Which, oh,
0: ridiculous. So
1: it's, just, it's very potent stuff.
0: I mean, also as a poisoner, how do you guarantee that someone has a paper cut? You're just hoping that you would find a cut?
1: Yeah, that I hadn't thought of that. Because there's like, later on, there's the blood stain on the page of the book. It's just like he obviously did get a paper cut. But yeah, like, there's no guarantee that he's going to cut Himself, Like, I don't get paper cuts that often. Not every time I open a book.
0: And they don't bleed very often.
1: No, it's usually just like, oh, it's annoying.
0: But, I mean, what good would all of these facts do if they didn't leave tangible clues behind for Miss Fisher to find? (laughs) No good at all. So then we get a quick scene of more Cess and Bert antics where Cess steals the cap right out from under Bert's nose as he's questioning some other, like, winos about this Boer War veteran it's cute cool (laughs) it's all right (laughs) um and and then after that we see some more strife between the brothers abrams haim the cobbler is mad because he didn't get to go to school because their parents could only afford to send the smart brother aka daddy abrams then um miss fisher shows daddy abrams the hebrew script and he says oh it's nonsense it just says like what is invisible let the flames make visible
1: and then Hayam makes like multiple side remarks.
0: Yeah, it's really he's landed on thick. I mean, is he li- is he like this all the time? How tiresome.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why he hasn't been successful in life. In a way. Yeah, probably. He has been successful in life. That's the whole thing, though. He's a very well respected cobbler.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if I would know how that feels, because luckily, my parents could afford to send both me and my brother to public school.
1: (laughs) Weren't you lucky?
0: Yeah, I think they might have actually been legally obligated to do that, so... (laughs) (laughs) lucky. Anyway, back at Shea Fisher, she and baby Abrams are having a sexy moment.
1: They're sitting very close. And I, I have in my notes that it seems like she's only wearing her robe. Why is she already in her robe? Well, when you're entertaining a a male guest, you have to be ready.
0: I mean, I feel like even in this day and age, when you invite someone over for like Netflix and chill, which I think is what the kids are doing now, you have the pretext of like you're going to watch Netflix. Like you don't answer the door
1: in your underwear. You're not like we're going to screw. Is she wearing a robe or she's just wearing that shawl she was wearing earlier? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it it might be the shawl. It's sort of like an embroidered shawl with a lot of fringe, so it kind of looks like a robe. But I don't think I don't think she's actually in a robe. Yeah.
0: I think you're right, because that would just be too absurd.
1: Yes, even for Miss
0: Fisher. Well, anyway, robe or no robe, they're, like, about to make out. But suddenly, there's an inconvenient noise, because Miss Fisher is, like, (laughs) always getting cock-blocked.
1: Well, also, she has, like, this great line. She's like, it might take more than evening for me to understand, because he's, like, talking about the Kabbalah and how... Um, the keys are to the Kabbalah are light of the divine and the heart of creation. And Franny's like, ah, it might take me more than an evening to understand. And I'm like, wow, what a pickup line. <laughs> but then, yes, the, the, nothing comes to fruition. I wonder how long it took Madonna.
0: So it turns out the inconvenient noise was Yossi Stein breaking in and trying to steal the formula that is presumably written on this page of the Kabbalah. The one that's going to make them
1: all rich. Um, I love in this scene, so Miss Fisher is, like, holding Yassi up. Like, she has a gun to his head, basically. And Dot and Mr. B, like, poke their heads in, and they're like, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And they're like, okay, and they just leave. And she's like, literally has her gun drawn on a man. And they're just like, oh, is everything okay? And then they're just... Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we also find out that Saul was trying to sell this formula to somebody. And it was all very dangerous, which... Doesn't make much sense once we find out what it's a formula for, but whatever.
1: Um, also, Friday checks to make sure that Yasi was not the person she stabbed in the bookshop.
0: Which seems unnecessary because that guy was pretty big and Yasi is, like, pretty small, so... I never thought it was him.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you have to be thorough in your investigation. <laughs>
0: So then Jack shows up at Miss Fisher's house, because I guess now that's like Crime Solving Central, and he uses his hardy boy skills to solve the riddle, which baby Abrams could not. So he knows that this is just a way of saying, like, the real text is hidden by heat. So he uses a letter to reveal a chemical equation.
1: How clever, Jack. What would he do without you? I
0: don't know. I probably would stop watching the show, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yes, Jack is definitely um, a key part of
0: this show. Although, if it was, like, a Miss Fisher and Dr. Mac drama, and all of the sexual tension was between them, I would definitely still watch it.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I'd definitely watch it then.
0: Like, sort of a Xena Xena Warrior Princess situation. Yeah. Um. Um. (laughs) Anyway, at this point, Baby Abrams runs back in to let us know, oh, no, Yossi Stein
1: is dead. This is, I just don't understand why he died.
0: Oh, also, I have in my notes that I'm curious, like, after the cock block incident, did Baby Abrams just go on home or did he spend the night? We don't know.
1: Yeah, he probably spent the night. I mean, it surprised me that he didn't take the opportunity to have a Miss Fisher's sex scene with Baby Abrams, but maybe, maybe that was just cut for time, you know? Yeah, maybe. They fit in as more Burton-sess drama. Ugh,
0: bad editing choice. Anyway. So, Yossi Stein's body has been found at Saul's science desk, and it looks like a faked suicide, and he's also got black marks on his fingers like Saul did.
1: Yeah, there's like a vial of pure mercury there, so I guess that's like how he committed suicide. No wonder the parents didn't send this guy to school. He's not very smart.
0: Sorry, that was a spoiler. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, back at our poorly executed side plot, Bert is about to get beat up by a thug when Sess runs in to intervene and saves him. So all is forgiven. And... Aww. Aww. And then also they find this wino, the Boer War veteran, Archie Davies.
1: And then Mac and Dot, back at the ranch, are in the case of the poison. And Mac,
0: let me just say, in a beautiful finger wave and a fantastic plaid tweed vest. Uh, and she's scaring the shit out of Dot with like the symptoms of various scary poisons it's pretty sexy <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then she notices the flowers and it's like oh those wolfsbane they contain acin acatine um acanine. so i looked up the symptoms of that and they're not what happened to Saul. not a seizure like, <laughs> no it's nausea vomiting and diarrhea well maybe he shed anyway. his pants after they cut scene maybe but i think like again this is also a spoiler but presumably everyone who's listening to this has watched the show um I also think like the higher the dose the more aggravated the symptoms so maybe the, the fitting was just like everything happening
0: well you can the, get a the dose is so you potent. can get a really high potent dose through a, a tiny finger paper cut can you no you can't
1: <laughs> I just yeah
0: so then Mac puts on her sexy matching jacket and runs off to the cobblers where our the best trio, which I, I wish that the three of them worked together more, but Mac... Oh,
1: I know. Yeah. More Dr. Mac, please. More.
0: Hope she's in the movie. Anyway, so Mac, Miss Fisher, and Jack are putting on some kind of science experiment with this secret formula. and Which,
1: like, okay, is, like, I get that Mac is a doctor and she's also very smart, but is she also a chemist? Because this looks like some pretty complex chemistry.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if, like, this cobbler was able to do it, I, I don't know. The whole thing. No, the
1: cobbler the cobbler wasn't doing. Oh, you're saying Saul was a cobbler. He was an apprentice cobbler.
0: Yeah, that's true. Who loved literature and poetry. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so the three of them are like fucking about and they come up with artificial rubber, which seemed all of it seemed way too easy, but apparently this is Saul's big moneymaker, the formula for artificial rubber.
1: Well, so they first Mac does it all and nothing happens. And then Jack like wakes up because he fell asleep and he's like try inverting the formula Hebrew reads right to left well I
0: tried googling this to see if that's a real thing and I had a hard time coming up with anything but listeners if you know whether chemical formulas are also written right to left in right to left languages
1: let us know because I'm curious also yeah I, I feel like you know well no I guess if it was a formula I like and it was just like formula equals formula yeah it could, you could read it either yeah. way
0: I don't know. It's been a long time since I took chemistry.
1: Yeah, yeah. like well over ten years so.
0: <laughs> Well, I took it in college, so maybe like eight oh. years.
1: All right. Well, I expect a little more knowledge from you, Lindsay. I'm disappointed. Yeah. So I did look up artificial rubber. If, if we're ready for a uh, research diversion. Always. Um. So it, it at this point, so it does seem a little unbelievable, like that they would have figured out synthetic rubber, but there had been several instances of it being developed before this so this was not like just totally out of the blue like they could have gotten information from a couple of scientists that had made it so it was first made in 1909 um, and it was made commercially by tsarist russia during world war one because there's a shortage of natural rubber but then basically everything went back to natural rubber after the war Um, but scientists kept looking into it and by 1925 the price of natural rubber had climbed very high because of rubber cartels which was apparently a thing rubber cartels rubber cartels so like OPEC, but for rubber okay so then the first successful synthetic neoprene was made in 1931 um so that was a couple years after the show so like when the show is taking place there's like several scientists working on this simultaneously in russia america and germany so like i said it's plausible that like one of them happened to be a zionist they're, they're you know from the internet i could it doesn't seem like this plot is you know historically backed up but yeah I don't there think was it makes a lot really of sense. <laughs> synthetic <laughs> rubber going on
0: yeah is that the miss fisher issue of the week no it's not
1: <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's zionism <laughs> i definitely think it's zionism yeah.
0: Well, it's certainly not like, you know, substance abuse problems and post-traumatic stress t- disorder amongst Boer War veterans, but...
1: <laughs> no, that's treated as just sort of amusing. So.
0: Yeah. In our next scene, in fact, the Boer War veteran has arrived at the house drunk as a skunk, and then after sobering up and eating a bunch of food, does a really bad job of answering Miss Fisher's questions. But being Miss Fisher, she does notice that he has on a brand new pair of shoes it's a clue dot 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 speaking of dot miss fisher tells her that a good breakfast is never wasted on a hungry man so i mean good point yes i made mine a frittata this morning
1: Mm. (laughs) you go for a frittata right now
0: so back at the bookshop miss fisher is rifling through a pile of books which were never cleaned up after the break-in maybe because it's a crime scene uh, oh wait so
1: before this dot tells miss fisher to be careful of the flowers because they are dangerous oh. which is another clue that miss Fisher's talking away in her
0: mind. yes indeed in her encyclopedic brain um so she's looking in this pile of books for saul's reward for dropping off the formula which is a terrible get rich quick plan you don't just sell the formula for like a one-time reward i mean you can't create a new jewish homeland for that like you need a sustainable source of recurring income you gotta start a rubber factory
1: fool yeah that does seem like a really bad plan that you just sell the formula like he had already made it like he knew he could do it he needed to sell it to somebody else yeah it doesn't
0: make any sense
1: you need to start selling rubber
0: and also like why did he have to do it with this absurd scheme with like hiding one book and retrieving another couldn't they just like spy and sell in the open it's not drugs it's rubber It's rubber. I think
1: you're forgetting about the rubber cartels, so I think there would have been some consequences to doing this.
0: Okay. Yeah, maybe you're right. Well, anyway, so that doesn't make any sense, but also (laughs) she (laughs) finds the book, a book of songs, which includes the song Raisins and Almonds, which we already know that Saul likes. Conveniently, on that page, there's a smudge of blood, which we've already covered is pretty ridiculous, and... (laughs) Miss Fisher thinks the reward must be hidden in the spine of this book, and she pulls a knife out of her garter, which I love. I love.
1: So great. Yeah. And then she says to Jack, you didn't see that.
0: Yeah, and is that because it's, like, an illegal knife or because, like, she flashed him her garter?
1: <laughs> I think it's because she flashed him her garter. And he's like, oh, de- I saw it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely saw that.
0: <laughs> I, I hope that I someday have the opportunity to, to flash my garter. Like, oh, there's, a, there's something hidden up there, but don't worry about it.
1: It's just a knife
0: <laughs> anyway then she so she slits up on the spine of the book and there's a powder in it which is presumably this aconite poison and i don't understand how he could have been poisoned by it if the spine of the book had not yet been cut open and the powder was still in it it doesn't make sense
1: maybe it was on the page but like why? maybe it was why on do the both? page of his song why do both
0: Just in case? Well, that just seems... I mean, first of all, you could really easily kill an innocent bystander with this method. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense to me.
1: Well, also, like, it must have been on the page, because Miss Lee says that, like, Saul had just read her the song, like, the words to the song, and Mm -hmm. then she had gone to take care of the tea things, and then he, like, left. Right. So it must have been on that page. I mean, what if he'd gotten it on his
0: hands and then like started making out with Miss Lee? And then like, I mean, presumably he could have transferred it from his hands onto this like teacup, which she then like tidies away. Like it just, if this poison is so deadly that it can be passed through a paper cut. That amount of it, like just- Yeah, and then
1: like they're investigating this scene and like dealing with the body. It seems like someone else would have died just from that.
0: Well, anyway, Miss Fisher rushes off to the Abrams house to accuse Daddy Abrams of using the wolf's bane to poison Saul. Um, and then Cobbler Abrams shows up claiming hysterically that Simon has been kidnapped and is being held for ransom in exchange for this formula. Um, and Miss Fisher plays along, but she doesn't believe it, so she asks Dot to run along and call Jack to the scene.
1: Um, I also like, so she tells. Dot to go call the police. And I just got thinking about in the first episode where Dot is afraid of the telephone. And I just feel like there's like a, a flash of that that telephone fear that passes over Dot's face. <laughs> but then she obviously like has overcome this fear and she goes and makes the call. <laughs> Aww, she's <laughs> growing funny. and learning. I know, it's so beautiful.
0: <laughs> so then it turns out that Cobbler Abrams is actually the bookshop breaker and enterer. We find the wound, Miss Fisher finds the wound on his shoulder. Um, he has Simon and like just a big kerfuffle ensues uh, where all is revealed.
1: Also, Friday notices his shoes and remembers that Simon said he makes the best shoes in Melbourne.
0: And connects it presumably to Archie Davies. Yeah, so
1: at this point, yes, Friday has figured out the whole history. She's got it unlocked.
0: So Saul he had been working with him to find this formula for rubber because of the shoe shop and Saul had hidden it from him in order to profit off of it for his own Zionist cause, which angered the cobbler. And, right,
1: and Chaim claims that it was his idea. But then, like, like I said, it was already somebody else's idea because the Czarist like army was using it during World War II. So it's not like he was some sort of brilliant person that thought of it. And it sounds like Saul did all the work. So
0: yeah, I mean, I can understand how if you thought someone was like a son to you and you find out they lied to you, you might be mad. But I don't know. I probably but wouldn't mad enough them. to kill. Yeah, them. I probably would just stop calling him back. I yeah. wouldn't kill him. <laughs> but Haim also kills Yossi Stein. So he's just on a murderous rampage. Yeah, I think at this point he's, you know, he's on a roll. Oh so. well, yeah, and then he kills baby Ab- or Not kills, he shoots baby Abrams. And I thought this guy was dead at this point. He pulls through, but he could just shoot somebody in the chest.
1: Yeah, that was in, like, a pretty close range. Yeah,
0: it looks like it's right in the heart, too, but I guess it's not.
1: Must have been in the shoulder. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so Haim, like, steals Freini's gun, basically. Yeah. I feel like she she needs to keep a better handle on her gun. This happens yeah. a lot where someone else gets the gun.
0: Yeah, but she knows he there's is. no bullets left, so. What? There's a standoff, and she knows it's it's going to be fine, and it is, and then Jack is there and saves the and day.
1: And Haim's whining about, how it's my turn? Yeah,
0: exactly, uh, whining about how he never had any opportunities his whole life, which might be true, but
1: murder is not the answer. Murder is <sighs> never the answer, folks. Nope. Even if your parents didn't treat you, right? All right. Yeah, and then Jack calls an ambulance for baby Abrams and Miss Lee is...
0: And then also Bert and Cess settle their differences, and they agree to go to the bar together, and Alice is going to come along as long as Bert doesn't have to drink a Shandy. Shandies. Is that like what Um, women drank back then?
1: I guess. Is not a Shandy? What is a Shandy?
0: It's like beer beer and lemonade. It's actually not bad.
1: Anyways, the other... So the the cute part of this scene besides the shanties is that Bert has obtained the check from Joey McPherson to buy Sass out of the taxi and he just tears it off, which I did think was
0: yeah well but doesn't he also say that uh <coughs> this guy Joe took a look at the books and decided that it wasn't a good idea
1: yeah but that's a lie because he has the check from Joe oh I completely missed that that's cute yeah like Joe was going to buy him out but like Seth Like, Bert didn't actually want. He still wanted to work with Seth, so he just, like, tells him. So he, like, basically, you know, lies to him, and their friendship from here on out is based on a lie.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful bromance, though.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then we cut to the Jack and Miss Fisher murder recap. A pivotal scene where we find out that Jack and his wife are separated. And why, why, oh, why is he telling her this?
1: Hmm. Seems like a very, he's having a very open moment. It's very And he, like, talks about how when he came back from the war, he was, like, a changed man. Like, it's very, uh, very moving. Yeah.
0: And uh, he says, but a marriage is still a marriage. And Miss Fisher says something about, like, especially with a man of honor, which we will revisit later on. So. Mm-hmm.
1: This scene literally gave me chills. <laughs> and, like, Jack's face is just, like, heartbreaking. Yeah. All right, so that that wraps up the episode. So, Chaim, cobbler, paid Saul to come up with a formula for synthetic rubber. However, Saul took the formula and instead told his Zionist friends that he could make them rich. Yassi bragged about it to Chaim, so he was on to Saul and turned on him pretended there was a secret buyer for the formula, and arranged for an exchange in the bookshop. Um, so the formula was put in the Hansard, um, which Saul returned with the formula in it, and then the reward was in raisins and almonds. But when Saul went to get the reward, the book had poison in the spine, so he died. Um, Chaim gave Archie the shoes to put the poison book in the shop, so he, like, paid off Archie, which, um, anyways, and then am then let Yasi into the lab, but had planted mercury so that he died. I think. That, like I said, that murder is confusing to me, and I don't really understand why it yeah, happened. Yeah,
0: I kind of thought it might be the same thing, but it, I mean... What, does he, like, make Yasi drink the mercury? I'm not... Well, because Mac also says mercury might not probably wouldn't kill you so i thought that the mercury was a plant but the real poison was just more
1: aconite oh okay that might be that might be true um all right anyways i don't really understand why Yasi needed to die except that he also knew about the formula and Haim wanted it for himself yeah um and then miss lee and saul were having tea because they were lovers so this whole miss lee framing is a red herring and then when she left to take away this this he he tried to open the spine and was poisoned. Right, and then Mr. Abrahams had the poisoned flowers in his yard, but it was his brother who dug them up. And I don't know why he didn't admit that the flowers were dug up because Franny asked him about it. But I think maybe he was protecting his son. I also did not understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I also had a note that does Miss Fisher get the painting? Yeah, we we'll have she? to keep an eye out for the painting in future episodes. In her. That's home. true
0: and they do kind of focus on the art in her home mm-hmm. you know it's a plot point do, do you remember what it was what the painting depicted what was it, it was not
1: I think it was a print so based on the research I did for her art I don't really actually remember what it looked like but I think it was a print of like some different designs and okay. it was square
0: okay well so having recapped the murder what how would you rate the murder method
1: You know, I gave it a six. I thought it was creative. It was a little convoluted, but it wasn't boring. Um,
0: yeah, I gave it actually a one for not making any sense, but a seven because I do love gardening. (laughs) I love flowers. All right. All right. (laughs) But yeah, I just don't think like, I mean, putting it in the spine, how did it get there? Like, how did he know he was gonna have a paper cut? How could he possibly have been poisoned by the amount of like powder that could get into a paper cut how did he prepare this powder without himself being hurt like it just i mean he would have had like a like a mortar and pestle and like a like a dehydrator i don't even know but whatever
1: yeah and there was a lot of powder in the spine like a lot it was all very purely white which like if you're grinding up roots from the garden i just think it's
0: yeah well anyway (laughs) what did you have as your worst outfit of the week
1: I really struggled this with with this one because I didn't really think any of the outfits were, were that bad, but I did have Franny's pajamas when she's sitting reading the book. They're just a little weird. And, I don't know. They had a weird like collar thing on
0: them. Yeah, I didn't love the pajamas, but I also didn't really have a particularly bad outfit this week. I thought none of them were none of them were that bad, so we could yeah. take a pass on this week. Uh, what was your best outfit?
1: The purple velvet coat. Pretty mm, good mentioned.
0: one. Um, I had Max suit. I love Max oh, men's yeah. wear aesthetic.
1: Oh, and it's just so well-tailored and, like, just quality. Yep.
0: Sense. Okay, what was your Miss Fisher skill of the week?
1: Knife throwing. Mm. She a very good aim.
0: Yeah. I would have to say uh, roof running in, in heels. <laughs> in heels. Yeah. Okay, and sexual tension.
1: Wait, can we do best week, worst week first? Because sexual tension is my favorite rating this week.
0: So. Oh, right. I forgot all about best week, worst week. Okay,
1: go ahead. For best week, I had Friney because she's finally getting a bigger role in the investigation. So I feel like her career is really taking mm-hmm. off.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Best week, Friney because she—I mean, not only does she initially find the poison thing, and then Jack says, "You should be proud of yourself. You wrapped it all up." But then, subsequent to that, he really lets her in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah
1: uh for worst week i had jack because he seems really sad oh
0: poor jack um i think i'm gonna go with miss lee because not only does she get accused of murder but she loses her sweetheart yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's a rough yeah and it was her landlord's brother or possibly her landlord anyway confusing situation but that sucks yeah all right sexual tension. uh i gave it a seven and a half because we've got some faces close together we've got some you know implications of singleness it you know it, mm-hmm. This is where it starts to heat up. I like where things she are flashes,
1: going. She flashes her garter at him. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a good one.
1: Yeah. I put... Well, I put seven initially, and then I changed it to eight, so I'm basically at yeah, this seven and a half. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that wraps us up for this week.
1: All right. What's on tap for next week? I forgot. It is... Ruddy gore
0: oh ruddy gore I this okay one. so next week we're reviewing ruddy gore it's a theater murder
1: oh right yeah oh yeah it's a little it's a little out there it's but a little weird but I like I think it we get some more sexual tension so.
0: and it's a great uh example of like weird old-timey trickery and like yeah. strange technology being
1: used which yeah, I love so watch it listeners and tune in next week for our take on ruddy yeah. gore